0: Welcome to the Dilemma podcast brought to you by Nougas, the National Union of Greek-Australian Students.
1: We aim to be the platform for representation of Greek and Greek-Australian youth, discussing all things relevant to you guys, our incredible listeners. Before we jump into this week's episode, we would like to say that Nougas Victoria respectfully acknowledges the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and record our content. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, as well as to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the wider community and beyond. We acknowledge that the land on which we meet is stolen land and that Indigenous sovereignty has never been ceded and treaties are yet to be negotiated. We additionally acknowledge the Wurundjeri peoples' living culture, knowledge and struggle in this region. promised bride series i am your host eleni and i am joined by olympia nelson and liana diakaris if you haven't listened to part one go check it out to better understand this episode first in part two we are looking at our own family's migrant stories and the events that occurred for our grandparents to meet and marry and we will also touch on some of the testimonies within the book Promise brides by panayota nazo we'll also touch on the importance of oral history and the role of women's voices throughout history and within the discipline itself we would just like to mention a trigger warning and a content warning. Around 48 minutes up until 53 minutes, there is mentions of suicide and domestic violence. If this is something that you would make you uncomfortable and you would like to skip, feel free to do so. It is within testimonies of relatives and you are more than welcome to skip to roughly 53, 54 minutes to skip the discussion of these topics. Okay, so for this episode, I think it's really important for us to acknowledge oral history and the importance oral history. And there was one particular quote that Nazu had put in her book in her analysis section that Mm -hmm. says not even oral history can be viewed by those who have experienced the past as the best or purest or even its but an mm-hmm. unadulterated, sorry, version. Therefore, <laughs> rather <laughs> than being concerned with questions of validity and credibility, yeah. it is of more value for researchers to be asking questions such as why and how do women explain, rationalize, and understand their past. So, I think it's really yeah. important that you know while we talk about while we're listening to all these different testimonies, that we aren't waiting to pick out facts mm-hmm. to say no, your experience is wrong. We're listening to understand the people speaking, to give every story respect yeah. and careful attention it deserves. And we're looking at cultural norms and judgment has no place in oral history. The bias that we bring pollutes the narrative through our judgments. So we've got to go into mm-hmm. it with the intent of understanding the people, their experience, mm-hmm. and please refrain from bringing in your judgment into it. So, Liana, I wanted to jump to you. hundred percent. Your yeah. studies of the partition of India give us the mm-hmm. importance of oral histories there and in particular, women. Telling histories. Yeah.
2: So it echoes a lot of what you're saying, which is super cool. I love Mm -hmm. when that happens in different cultures. But I studied the partition of India for an assignment. And if you guys don't know, it's when India India gained independence Mm -hmm. and it became, it got split into India and Pakistan. Mm -hmm. So that's just a little bit of history there. And an article that I read about it all said that oral histories have provided an opportunity to document the history of these people who until recently were silenced and they were outside the official context Mm. of history or what was said in, passed down, what was said in the history books. So we have to understand that history is created and curated Mm -hmm. and we have to question who does that. And I think oral histories has such an important role in this because it has this ability to create a new history and uncover the effects of events yes. instead of just celebrating mm. the events or the heroes or
1: the, yep, you know, yep.
2: the goodness yep. of it. And the ev- just stating the mm. facts, it comes back to how it impacted the individual. And a lot of this book is yep. doing that. It's celebrating these stories in all mm-hmm. their glory, in their goodness and in their badness and th- just it's a raw depiction of the reality yeah. of it which so much is of that is left behind in history which is super sad but a lot of history and how it's created is very gendered mm-hmm. and it's a gender construction so a lot of the times women voices have been neglected yeah. in the creation of a lot of history mm-hmm. and often they're hidden oh, yeah. and this this method, like testimonies, allows and challenges this, The his, this is a great quote, the historical interpretations based upon the lived and documented experience. Yeah, the.
1: that's so true. So it's true
2: and it's, Oral history has such an important role in being able to give women voices and it's their own interpretation of their own experience and everyone owns their own experience. So it's so important to remember that and not to judge it. That's how they want to present it. But it's very interesting. Like studies have shown that men and women actually present their own stories very differently. Mm. So, and they often remember the past very differently. So often women downplay their own Mm. activities and they emphasize the role of family or anyone else that was present in their Mm. recollections. So it's always a collective understanding of Mm -hmm. their experience. Whereas men in their reflection of their own experiences, men tend to use metaphorical language and focus on themselves as a protagonist. So of their own Mm. experience. And women tend to focus on someone else, when, even if it's their own experience, wow. which I think is so interesting. Mm. And it goes back to just questioning how we tell our own stories yeah. and why mm. that is, you know. So I think that is so interesting and such a good thing to remember as we go on to mm. the next parts. And just one more thing I want to say, talking about the complexities of speaking to women. Mm. And I know in the book this was touched on as well, and speaking of especially women from rural areas who who are of illiterate background, yeah. they've been made to feel that other people control their destiny as we've yeah. already spoken about. And therefore they are the better ones to answer the questions, even if it's about their yeah. own. And that was found when I was doing my own studies and it's echoed in the stuff that we're talking mm. about now. So they're conditioned to feel that they have little value to contribute to the bigger, the bigger, what what is it called? Discourse or the bigger conversation Mm. about it. They think that they don't have anything to input because their stories doesn't have that much value and their perception of their stories doesn't have much value. So it's so interesting because even how someone presents their own story can have all this bias and all this other contextual you know, stuff that just impacts Mm. how we present ourselves and our stories. So I think it's really interesting to think about that as women and also as we are going to talk about these testimonies.
1: Exactly. And Olympia, Nazo actually touched on this particular method as well. Could you give us a bit more background on what she said?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was so, so beautifully explained. Liana, I'm not sure how much I can add. Thank you. um, Yeah, she definitely (laughs) does touch on this aspect of the, what she calls the unutterability of trauma narratives. So she talks about mm-hmm. how most of the traumatic experiences of the brides will probably never actually be transformed into narrative yeah. mm. um, simply because they're not spoken about, therefore never fully investigated. And then finally, never f- the, the women will never fully be healed. Mm-hmm. So she has this fantastic bit where she cites um, another scholar, Sangster, and she says, um, Sangster argues that women tend to construct personal narratives differently to that of men and that all the above factors play a role uh, in this. For example, women often avoid using the first person when pointing to some personal success or demonstrating personal strength. Mm -hmm. They suppress their own view about common mm-hmm. issues, emphasising the views of their family, the cultural values of society from which they originate, shape the manner in which they evaluate facts and understand what constitutes myth, history, fact or fiction. I think this is this is really, really important. I think it's also important to remember that what we're looking at when we talk about the women of this generation is that they're coming from a place yeah. where they experienced immense trauma, um, whose mm-hmm. people whose villages yeah. were ravaged by war. Yeah. Um, so there was already mm-hmm. pre-existing trauma before they come to Australia. Yeah. One woman explains how she came from a town which prior to the war was prosperous with high school law courts yeah. and her father was mm-hmm. returning from the battlefront. He, only, um, he had four fingers missing. And he was hit by a German vehicle and led to to death. That kind of trauma is unimaginable. It's unfathomable. Mm. And then having to leave the remaining family members and and her town, which was completely burnt down by the Germans. And then to come to Australia, there are so many different layers of trauma. Yeah, a hundred percent. Especially
2: also, I think in our culture, Healing happens in a collective Mm. form. So you want to be with your
0: family Mm -hmm. to heal
2: through things, even if it's unspoken. That's exactly right.
0: And I think that's where the importance of conversation comes in. And and, um, Nazareth really stresses that, yeah, I mean, most of the trauma that these brides went through, we will probably never know about. And there is a lot of shame associated with with being honest really if there's if there's a traumatic yeah. event or yeah, something that happens to someone there's a there's a view in Greek culture I think and and many other cultures that you just don't talk about it and that it's taboo yeah. and you keep that pain to yourself there's yeah. a wonderful a, a very applicable ancient Greek saying an eco um, so mm-hmm. that which is in the house so eco not to the town people Um. so it's that idea that all, all private matters, anything that happens to you, should remain private and stay inside mm, the house yeah. and hidden. And hidden. Yeah. It's like something to be ashamed exactly of. Yeah, right. if it's That's something exactly to be hidden. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I think it comes with this whole reputation conversation that we were having earlier about yep. bringing shame and honor to the family. Like, how many times, like, you know, yep. we've heard those comments don't give a reason for the neighborhood to talk about us, yes. don't give a reason for another person to have your name in their mouth. Yeah. All those things, and especially don't tell it don't tell yeah them. this don't, is family business don't take it outside this is house. our family's yeah. business you know they're not going to be as nice mm-hmm. to you about it no one needs to yeah not- exactly. and especially especially between a married couple I reckon because there's a lot of complexities yeah. and and aspects that goes into it and power dynamics are just wild especially in this particular instance mm-hmm. so yeah, we'll jump mm-hmm. into family stories in a moment after the break and each of us can talk about our own family stories so you guys can also understand our own family's migrant, mm-hmm. migrant story. Mm. So I think sharing our own, own family stories is quite important as well because it is what first exposed us to mm. these ideas, you know, hearing our own grandparents, hearing our own aunties, uncles, and all those family members. So, Lianne, I'm really excited to hear about your family story and your grandparents' migrant story. Mm-hmm. Do you mind sharing? Yeah, that? yeah, sure. So I'm going to be talking about
2: my young Papu, Anna and Forti. They were not arranged by Proxy Nia, as say, but there's a lot of themes that we've spoken mm. about that are evident in their story, I'd yeah. say. So Papu came here first, and I think that's the whole legacy of the man preparing and mm. having... <laughs> a space ready and being able to protect and provide for. So he got a job, but he came with his whole family. So oh, wow. his mum, his dad, yeah, which is a rarity. Mm. Um, his mum, his dad, his brothers, and they all lived together in one house. I think my would obviously his family wasn't wealthy, but they had a farm. So mm-hmm. they had some form of agency in terms of they were all able to migrate. Yeah. So my papu went back to Greece after a couple of years. He established himself here. He went back to Greece and he went to a bunny yini, which is a festival. And Yeah was there. They didn't know each other at all. And she was dancing. She was having a great time. She was sixteen. And my papu wow. was twenty five at this time. Mm. So again that whole age gap, age gap. comes back. But mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Was dancing, having a good time. You know, she's young. She's a girl. She's just a girl having a good time. She doesn't even ha- look at, at Papu. They don't make eye contact. Nothing. Mm. She goes back to her house, and Papu is asking about her. Who's this girl? Who's this girl in the village? He ends up finding her house, and he yeah comes back from work one day. She was um, a hairdresser, and she comes home, and Papu's there speaking to her dad. And they had already said that she's going to go with him to Australia and marry him. Wow! So Yeah literally had no choice. Oh my um, God. Yaya came from the most very very poor family. Mm. Multiple children. I think seven or eight. Some of Which them died often on the plays way. a
1: factor. often.
2: Yeah, and she was the second youngest. So by that stage, there's a lot of kids. So, and a lot of money go on a- to dowry. Exactly. Mm. And I think it was an opportunity. Her family saw it as an opportunity for her to get out of this poverty cycle because I know yeah. that Maya speaks so fondly of her dad and her mum. Mm. And which I think is so interesting because I don't know if I would have that perspective if I was shipped off. Yeah. Mm. You know, shipped off. You know what I mean by that. Yeah. But. but- I don't know. So she says that her dad obviously decided that this is what she's going to do and they had the wedding in Greece. Mm. And then Papu went back home with his family and Yaya went later and she went by plane. And Yaya tells me, this This gets me every time, but Yaya tells me she took her little suitcase of her, like, dresses and toots, yeah, yeah. Right, like just the bare minimum of what she had, and she took. She was so scared of this plane journey because they didn't know any of that. You know, Mm. she didn't even know where she was going. She knew nothing about Australia. Yeah, she didn't even know how far it was. Yeah, just this distant land, this promise of this distant land, and she had her baby doll with her in the plane, and that
1: just gets me because she's a sixteen-year-old. Yeah.
2: I you mean, mean we're oh, all she...
1: in our 20s, and that's a scary thought. Yes. At 16 yes. from a village. And she didn't have a pool with her on the
2: plane. She was just wow. on the plane by herself. She didn't even know how planes work. She didn't know how long the journey was going to be. They oh knew nothing, So it's just the perfect imagery for me to see how young she was, that she had her yeah. doll with her, and that was her thing. Yeah. And she, to this day, she has not thrown that doll away.
1: You're joking. Um, wow. Yeah, she
2: hasn't. She hasn't. So she came to Melbourne and into this prepared house with her mother-in-law, her father-in-law, and her brother-in-laws,
1: which she didn't know.
2: She didn't know them. So this Mm. is a whole other context to it as well because she had to prepare the food and everything for them. Oh, my
1: God. That pressure. Yeah. Can you
2: imagine? Papu was working so hard as a taxi driver, he was never there. So Maya said she felt so alone
1: mm. and she had no
2: one, literally mm. no one, because they're all strangers to her. Yeah. And the one person that she was married to was working every day.
1: Yeah. Good Lord. I mean, meeting for the good boyfriend's reasons, family is hard. Yeah.
2: Meeting yeah. them yeah. for the first Coming time. Imagine, a imagine established family, family. Imagine meeting and with moving in forever. Living... Yeah, at 16 years old. She's a child. You.
0: Do you know if she child. got
2: along well with them?
0: It was hard. Look, it would have been
2: hard. I, th- she tells me that it was hard, but I don't think it was an advertised thing. Yeah, Yaya is not a confrontational person. Mm. She would have been very vigilant in her responsibilities mm. and just done everything to bitter Tongue, like the perfect. Mm. Yes, and I don't think Yaya even understands the complexities of ha- that trauma. No, <laughs> yeah, of being that alone. Yeah, and but she doesn't regret it. And that's the thing that gets me because it comes back to the things that she's created in this country, Mm -hmm. even though she has literally none of her family from back home here, no one. She knows, like, none of her family's here. But she said when she was 17, she got pregnant with my mum and she had two kids very close together. But she said when she had them that when my mum used to cry because she was so young, she didn't know how to parent, she didn't have her mum to look at to parent,
1: Mm. she
2: used to cry with her.
1: Oh, my God.
2: I'm going to cry. Because Babu wasn't there either. Ooh. So she mm. didn't know how to, you know, this is her first experience in yeah. this new land, new country, new tongue, mm-hmm. new family. And I'm sure there was pressure of how well she would parent yeah. from yeah. her mother-in-law and her father-in-law and everyone was looking at her because yeah. she was the unfamiliar one in this context
1: in her own house. Yeah. And there were so many people living in that one house in that one room. Yeah. Know? And I'm sure intentionally or unintentionally – Everyone would have been watching to make sure: is she gonna? 100%. Is she gonna be the good wife? Is she gonna cook well? Is she a good cleaner? Exactly. She, uh, At
2: seventeen years old, yeah. and I know that she had difficult health issues as well. And like she told me, because she also had a hairdressing salon here, and she said she she ended up having pneumonia after Aww. all of this. And I think a lot of it would have been the stresses of it all. You know. But yeah. being the good Greek wife and the mum, she didn't want to tell anyone how she was feeling. Mm. She didn't want anyone to know this weakness that she was mm. feeling or how she was feeling and these health issues she was dealing with. So she just mm. shut up. She, like, she minimised it, of course, and she actually ended up in hospital nearly losing her life. Oh. So and, she, <laughs> and they told her, like, Anna, you need to stay in the hospital for a long time. And she ended up just taking herself out and going back home because she's like, I need to be a mum. Yeah. Like, Mm. they're my kids. And that's why I think so much of the time, Yiyaz and Papu, but more so Yiyaz can be so protective of us Mm. and the generations that come under us because that's all they have. Yeah. They've created this. Yeah. And the opportunities that we get is because of their sacrifices, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So it's just, it baffles my mind when I think about it because the amount of things that Yaya would have had to go through that are so unspoken and she will never tell me about. Mm-hmm. But just one thing more about agency and choices, Gaya tells me, she told me that she was actually in love with this other boy in the village. Oh, Don't oh. get me started with those stories. Oh, go. Yeah. And they had, they had obviously it was a very poor village, but they had promised each other that they wanted this beautiful life and they were going to go and set off and do their dreams mm. and all of this stuff. And yeah Ya wasn't even able to say goodbye to him. Oh, my God. So he would have just known by the village after she's oh. left that Anna's <gasps> that she's to Australia. gone Australia. And going to be married. So there was, yeah, there was none of this communication. And that breaks my heart because... That would have impacted him more than we know, yeah. impacted yep. the young more than we know. But yep. she has come into this marriage that Papu was nine years older than her, you know, mm. like very different life stages. Yeah. And can I ask and
1: you a question? Did she, she tell you herself mm. about her being in love or she did? Wow. Yep. Mm. But does your Papu know?
2: I don't think anyone else knows. Yep. Yeah
1: there it is that's all yeah. because I, I was yeah. my dad has a similar situation and I was just like it was not open it was not a known thing that no. that was you know and she and my mom like when I spoke to my mom she's like I didn't know that
2: like wow. it was this hidden thing again you yeah. know and those things are traumatic if they're not spoken about because she hasn't been able to heal. From yeah that, probably yeah and like she loves papu and my, my papa was a great man yeah yeah no doubt about like that. we have a great family and stuff mm. like that but it's just it's a sacrifice yeah Yeah. and it's not a choice really in her situation and a lot of the others yeah Yeah. it is so yeah that's my ample story
0: so beautiful thank
1: you so much liana for sharing that i think it's um it's a great way to also get to know a person to understand Mm -hmm. where they've come from where their families come from um and it's really unique also
2: yeah also not to generalize brooks and nia you know and our own migrant experiences everyone's story is different yeah Mm
1: -hmm. no exactly yeah so thank you so much and and olympia if you're comfortable as well if you could share your family's um sort of migrant story absolutely
0: thank you liana and just building on what you were saying a moment ago i think Mm. it is important to look at proxenia as more than just someone sending a picture and Mm -hmm. um, an exchange of photos and a magazine Mm -hmm. type Thing. It was, it was far more complex than that. And yeah. um, the, so my example with my, so my, yeah, uh and Papu Andreas uh, have a story that is not, perhaps not a marriage that's arranged by Proxenia in the traditional sense of um, yeah. the agency mm. and matchmaker. But similarly, it's uh, the way that was probably the alternative, which was in their case through connections that had already been uh, be made, yes. that were already made in Australia. And mm. you know, I've heard this and I've, I've read this quite a lot, that when the couple is not united by the by the agency and by the pictures, it's often through people they already knew, yes. either from their village in Greece or yep. family, friends, yep. friends, their colleagues um, in Australia. Yeah. Sometimes I believe that this is perhaps a more uh, or uh, a way of guaranteeing a more successful union yeah. because it's by word of mouth. So there's someone to bat for yeah. you. There's someone to vouch for Familiarity. you. Familiarity. That's right. Yeah. So someone can tell you if they're a good person or not. Um, mm-hmm. So for my Yayanpapu, yeah, that's that's how it was, and it was a it was a beautiful marriage. So my papa arrived in Australia first. Uh, he came on the Kirenia, I think it was called. He worked mm. in Bonagila in New South Wales. Um, wow. My yaya followed. They came from two very different parts of Greece. I know a lot of the time you hear of couples who come from villages that the, the same, same village, villages, yeah, or yeah. Yeah, yeah. close by. But my yaya's from Crete, and my papa's from the Peloponnese. My yaya came with so. All of her four siblings ended up coming. They didn't come all together. Whereas Papua was the only one of his 13 siblings to leave Greece. Whoa. So huge, huge family. My Papua's side of the family is massive. And he began to work at a restaurant um, with one of Yaya's sisters, which is how they met. So she arrived in 59. Um, She was 19. Mm -hmm. She was on the Flaminia boat with many other brides, um, not just from Greece, but also many from Italy as well. Um, The trip took 28 days and she she has a a good recollection of it. She remembers enjoying Mm. it. There are beautiful photos of her doing hula hoop competitions and dancing oh how cute and lovely and she actually won the boat's um beauty contest and she was awarded Miss Flaminia so the most the most beautiful woman and she's always been so proud of this she was (laughs) absolutely stunning still is and so she she has these beautiful memories of it which I think is really Mm. special yeah a lot of the testimonies share that on the boat um there was a lot of like documentaries
1: about Australia Mm. a lot of English Mm -hmm. lessons too so the boat in itself was a a transformative yeah. journey for a lot yes. of these women um, yeah. to better prepare them as best one could mm. to arrive
0: <laughs> in Australia and to meet their husband Sorry, Link. No, 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 exactly. Well. Exactly right. And I think <laughs> that whole thing about the documentaries is really interesting because it, it mm. just goes to show that you're literally leaving your entire culture behind and you have to yep. like learn a yes. new language and, and I can't get my head around that personally
1: and pre-internet yes. pre-exposure to yeah. other cultures there's no YouTube vlog
0: yeah. like my, my yeah. experience yeah. like
1: it's true travel
0: blogs and, and you leave all your other exactly yeah so it it, it would yeah. just be completely alienating but my um yeah Yaya was lucky in that her sister was already here.
1: Her mm, sister wasn't mm. so lucky
0: because she had arrived and she was she had a miserable marriage. Um, she ended up divorcing, which again in in that period wow. is uh, quite shameful mm, And so yep. she would send my yaya letters pleading for her to come. um this was an abusive marriage, um, and my yaya, oh, yaya wow. felt that she had to go. In Mm. fact, my Yaya was actually meant to arrive first. So she was meant to submit her photograph Mm. to a magazine, but the photograph wasn't prepared or it wasn't ready yet. And so (laughs) she ended up sending the sister's picture. And so then she arrived first. So that's how it worked out. But then uh, all of Yaya's uh, siblings ended up coming anyway. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I believe like many leading up to leaving Greece, it didn't really hit her that she was abandoning everything leaving everything behind and starting an entirely yes. new life she was young like all the brides who came they're all they're yeah, our age if, literally if not younger 16 younger yeah. <laughs> but as soon as she boarded the boat she saw her father standing there crying and then she it, it oh, hit no. her in that moment and then she cried and she realized that her decision was irreversible she couldn't go back Mm. Um, and upon arriving, she was shocked by the new language, but she actually met Papua instantly. He was right there at, at mm. uh, waiting for her, but not necessarily mm. as a potential husband, but he was just there as yeah. a, as a friend, um, yeah. Familiar. Mm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she, I think things happened very quickly. So she met him and then she had arrived in April of 59, met Papua, married him, mm-hmm. um, they got married in July. so very, very quick time frame. Mm. And then oh, wow. Quickly, wow. A lot of these happen so quickly that I was reading over the yes. yep. testimonies yes. and I was shocked as to how it's true. The, the man is often there ready to receive her. Then before you know it, they get married. Yep. And then before you know it, she's pregnant. And so yep. – yeah, and this is the case with my yes. as well. She's pregnant with my mother uh, the following year in November. So yep. in mm-hmm. a little over a year, she's not only – moved to Australia, she's married and she's had her first child and um, she didn't meet yeah. anyone else here. So in her first year, she cried a lot, not because she wasn't happy with Papu, but she just yearned for her country, her parents, mm-hmm. her yeah. friends. Um, but she knew that the once trauma. you leave, that, yeah, once you, leave you can't turn back, you can't yeah, disappoint no. the family.
1: Yeah, because even in the Insight SBS episode on this topic, going back brought so much shame and brought about a message despite Mm. sometimes not being true Of you have failed you have shamed the family you've done something wrong exactly um and oftentimes it was oh you found out you weren't a virgin or you're not a good wife all that stuff and then that would bring more shame no matter what
0: the actual reason was the way the community sees it is the more important thing that's exactly at that time as well Yeah. yeah Yeah. Yeah. So it took her a long time to fall in love with Australia, but she says, and and a few other women uh, in Nuzzle's book say the same thing. Um, things changed for her when she had my mum. So she said that mm, after yeah. having a child, she settled, and she with with um having to take on new responsibilities, she she kind of found her feet a little bit. And so Nuzzle says, um, yeah. She uh, documents another woman who says a similar thing. After two years, our daughter was born, and I was so devoted to my child that I had no time for tears. And mm. I think my yaya felt the yes. same way. It's so interesting that you that through motherhood, these women, these women, and the trauma that they've experienced are being reframed mm. through their motherhood. Overall, I think my Yaya was very lucky in that she found someone who was loving, um, loyal, and devoted yep. to her. Papu was yeah. a serious but hardworking man and underneath a very mm. um, hard, yeah. masculine facade, he was tender and loving. Yes. And he adored his yep. children. He loved dancing. He was a, a typical Peloponnesian dancer with mm. his Samika yeah. and all of that. And he, uh, <laughs> they were together until he passed away in 2018 and so, yeah, I think that was – many of their friends were, were married by the more traditional uh, photo sense of proxenia. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Another, uh, another very interesting story that I'd love to talk about is a dear mother of um, one of my mother's best friends, um, Eleni, and she's someone who gives me great joy to mm-hmm. talk about. She recently mm-hmm. passed away, but right up until the end, mm-hmm. she would talk about her experiences both uh, as a villager and a migrant and her views mm-hmm. of Australia upon arriving. So she was from uh, Messinia, the south of Greece, from the village Kalohori. Mm-hmm. She arrived in 57 on the bridal ship Begonia, Um and this is, again, a ship that's documented mm-hmm. a lot in Nazo's text, yeah. um, with hundreds of women, including her soon-to-be sister-in-law, She would talk about how life in the village was so hard. Her mother was widowed, and had uh, six valuable olive groves and land, all of which had to be given (gasps) over to the husband uh, of the other sister, Fotini. And this was um, part of the pika, um, so the (sighs) dowry. Wow. And this was the economic reality of village women. So how much horafia could be Mm -hmm. given away? Yeah. And so Eleni's mother couldn't actually give uh, over any more horafia as prika. She needed it for the the other three boys. Yeah. And so with these prospects being grim, Eleni had no choice other than to leave for Australia. Mm. And she remembered, she wow. recalled um, villages, and I found this so interesting, saying that the roads are paved with gold. Um, so she'd say, <laughs> she'd say, "Ακουσαω <laughs> wow. And then she um, she wow. recounted as well. Pira apofasina na firo, and um, so she 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 took it upon wow. herself. And I think that's so telling because all of this shows the ways in which Australia was both romanticised as fertile, like a yep. gold yes. uh, gold streets, mm. um, gold roads, but also it's a true. rich country full of opportunities, money. Yes. Yep. That's right. and yeah, that's right. Yeah, so her trip her trip was actually delayed and this was a big problem in the between 56 and 57 because of the blockage of the Suez Canal there was a big crisis yeah um,
1: yeah there was and
0: so she was delayed but she was a very strong woman she didn't cry throughout the whole journey at all but she'd recall all the other women and she'd say Claire Anna. she'd say they, they would all cry and missed their family straight away and she she remembers missing. Their food, and she actually paid another girl on the ship for a jar of Paradosiaco Hirino Pasto. And she devoured mm. it. She remembered just having this pork, which was <laughs> wow. a, a symbol of the village, and devouring it. And she would yeah. say that on the um, begonia, she got very seasick, arosisapolid. But there were men who were just waiting there upon arrival. They were just waiting there with flowers. And the women would mm. see the men wow. and they'd, deceived by the pictures, they'd say and they would run mm. away or elope with men that they had met on the boat like sailors. Yes, wow. there was a lot of yes. testimony saying That's that. That's right. Yeah. I found that really, really interesting, but fantastic. Yeah. It made me really happy because these women were going against their destiny, yes. which was actually quite horrible because they had no agency yeah. to do something of their own will and I, I found that really empowering. Yeah, and there yeah. was one particular testimony in the inside, yes. yes, where it was essentially that the
1: woman was coming to Melbourne and that when she actually on the journey she had met a man on the ship they had a fling and essentially she gets to Melbourne she goes with her soon-to-be husband fiance and all that and Mm -hmm. she was doing it to please her uncle I'm pretty sure it was her uncle and that this husband this soon-to-be husband was her to have sex the first night I'm pretty Mm
2: -hmm. sure yeah he did
1: and I think he was quite on about it, yes, and she was very uncomfortable. And she was explaining that that's not something she wanted, that's you know, because you know, being engaged isn't being married yet, and there was a lot of insecurity at that stage where people, wait. yes. Um, and then she ended up calling the guy from Sydney. I love this shit, yeah. And- yeah. And then he goes, don't worry. Oh, you come to me and I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll look after you. Yeah. Yes. Because you know what? No one deserves to be abused. That's yeah. just straight up, no matter who you are yep. from, who you are. Exactly. Um, but exactly. I really, really respected the fact that this woman was like, no. And not only no, I'm leaving you. Mm, calling. Yeah. place Because yeah. women felt as though they didn't have that mm, option. Yeah. That they had to And display. the thing is... Mm, if she didn't meet
2: this guy on the ship, who would she mm. have called? Mm. <laughs> exactly, no one. Exactly, that's right.
1: amazing. it's yeah,
0: amazing. Yeah, it's such a it's such a brilliant story. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah.
1: And if you guys don't mind, I'll share mm. my my gag.
0: Yeah. So my yaya was
1: actually in Australia first. The mm-hmm. mm-hmm. switcheroo. <laughs> yeah. So yaya's background is basically, you know, she grew up in a village, and then she ended up. She ended up actually not finishing primary school. She did grade three, like, three mm. times. But somehow <laughs> yeah. she managed to get to a point where she was actually working in Tripoli mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. at some point, Athens as a nurse. Wow. And so in Tripoli she was 16, and my mom actually had visited the hospital. And wow. Wow. And was boarding. You know, you weren't travelling back and mm. forth except for, like, mm. Yortes. Yes. So Yaya was there for a while, and her sister – and her mm. brother-in-law were in Australia. And from what I can remember, what she said, she didn't like, she didn't really like Grace because she obviously she didn't find that there was many opportunities, but also Maggie Yaa's personality type, I don't think suited Grace very much. <laughs> she was not like that. She was very, you know, let's get a system set in place. Let's get things organised. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> you know, and not really a case to that too well. Um, and so she was really struggling to find where she fit in society, mm. in terms of what she believed and her um her inclinations and all, and you know, a lot of her life was she would return back to her village and give money to her mm. dad, and all that her dad was, um, alcoholic yes. and it was just, it was just crazy, you know, things going on. And I think she was one of five sisters, so all these were, yeah, you know, a dowry mm. of some sort. So, yeah, yeah actually, the- she was going to go to Australia to live with her wow on her own That's accord, amazing. yeah. She, mm. she was very independent that way and while she was living in Greece though there were a lot of men kind of approaching her but she was very like who do you think?" that is fantastic <laughs> absolutely that was one of the qualities I admired mm. about her the most very so very dismissive to them. <laughs> and so when she came here her sister and Papu's sister, mm-hmm. were in the same hospital room. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, wow. They were in the same hospital. So basically, my Papu at the time was like, there's mm-hmm. no jobs. There's no work. They, I don't have much of an education. I'll join the Navy. And his family isn't wow. that idea. They're like, no, something's going to happen to you. We don't want you to go. So then these two sisters decided to, you know, chat and go, I've got a sister in Australia. I've got a brother that wants to leave. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> um and so they started corresponding with letters and there's sort of two kind of freaky-ish incidents yaya they were talking and they they hadn't officially mm. met before my yaya mm-hmm. had never actually remembered seeing mm-hmm. papu my papa remembers yeah. seeing her and i'll explain okay. how that happened so they were at um uh yaya was coming back from tripoli on the bus to go to oh my gosh, Ast- Astros Argavias in Peloponnese And on that ride, bus ride, she was being approached by this guy and she was very like, uh-huh. just uh, let me enjoy my ride home. <laughs> alone, stop crying. So he was doing his absolute best, but it didn't work. They get to the Bunny and because not often people leave the village and actually, you know, make it, let alone yeah, yeah. making it in another city in Athens. So a lot of people were like, Oh, you know, Lenny the push was fast pushing mouth, yeah, all that stuff. And Papu was actually on the edge of this funny giddy because he was from a neighbouring village and he was watching it and He was mm. asking his cousin, you know, what's going on? What's the big deal? Mm. And his cousin goes, oh, don't even bother. I tried hitting her up on the bus. <laughs> I was those words, but I tried hitting her up on the bus. He's, you know, stone cold. She doesn't care. And so Papu just remembers that scene. Yaya does not remember seeing him there. But, yeah, back to, back to them writing letters to each other. Yaya had a dream one night that she was at the marketplace with her dad and they were shopping and that the bags were getting a bit heavy and this man approached her and he goes, you know, let me help you with the bags, let me help you with the bags. And mm. she was like, no, I can do it on my own. I don't need your help. Which is really standard. Incredible. <laughs> She's just a bit, like, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically he insisted and she goes, you know, all right, fine. And she she remembers looking at him and she goes, "Yeah, paint that image, you know wow and the next day her sister goes you know you've gotten a letter from labro my popo," and she opens it up and it was the first photo she'd received of him and it was the guy that in her drink incredible. how crazy it was, one, it was one thing that she just continuously said is like that was god's way of telling me yeah. i'm doing the right thing mm-hmm. and that i'm on the right path and i believe that you know a lot of these women and men were looking for those signs from god to to reaffirm yeah. that yeah. 100 you know, it's okay it's okay i've got yes. you in this yeah. you know and so Yaya really found comfort in that. She goes, you know, that's, that's my son that I need. And Papu, on the other hand, was travelling from Astros to, um, well, a village near Astros to Tripoli, walking, which was multiple days, carrying mm. all he had, all his money, mm-hmm. trip to get to Birea to take the ship. Yaya actually came mm-hmm. by plane. His journey, he ended up stopping in a cemetery, as you do, to sleep overnight. <laughs> <I laughs> my goodness. That place. I just can't get over that fact that it was a cemetery. That it did he really? That would be the last place I'd want to sleep. Yeah, no, legit. Why? Not even like a bench. <laughs> like I'm. <laughs> but like, what? What <laughs> sleep on? <me? laughs> oh, my God. Anyhow, that's what he did. And he had a dream as well. Uh, that it was someone going, saying, going back to this. Um crossing that he had passed. And it's a really popular one between Tripoli and Stolo, which is the village Mm -hmm. near Astros. And he was like, go back, go back, go back. You forgot something. And then he woke up, didn't really think too much of his dream and then checked that, you know, nothing had been stolen in the night or anything like that. And he realised that the wallet carrying all the money and the paperwork for the ship ride. Wow! So, you know, without that, he's not Mm, going anywhere. He's going back to the village. Yeah. So he ended up looking around him, nothing. Aww. He started walk- tracing his steps, nothing to this crossing that he saw in his dream. And it's smack bang in the middle, people walking. No way. Untouched. <sighs> untouched. No one taking taken any of the money, none of the paperwork. It was just perfectly laid there. And so for him, that yeah. was his sign of, you know, allow you know. It was That's like, oh, amazing. Yeah. And all that stuff. yeah, Babu said wow. he remembers the ship, like, ride quite fondly. Uh, mm-hmm. He was quite entertaining. His photos of, you know, the, the music, the like the music and all that. But the real thing that actually mum mentioned to me not that long ago when I was preparing for this episode is that um Yaya was at Port Melbourne with her sister and her brother-in-law <laughs> waiting for her to come. Mm-hmm. And Babu, you know, arrived. It's all good. And then they went to her sister's place, which is obviously where Yaya was living. Mm. And her, my brother-in-law was an interesting man. <laughs> um, he was quite difficult and feelings for her. But it wasn't super, mm-hmm. it was just from a lot of possessive controlling yeah. tendencies yeah. and behaviours. And it was a lot of, you know, no, 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 you can't see that. No, you can't do that. No, you've got to do this. And, and I spoke to him about it and I said, you know, also there's this element of he's got two women cooking and mm. cleaning for him. Oh, yeah. The wife, the other one's a single one. You mm-hmm. know, he's got it all. He wouldn't want her to marry yeah. someone else. And he kept saying, no, 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 someone from my village. Someone from my village. Oh, wow. And, mm. you know. Possessive. Yeah. You know, whether it was feelings or not, there was control. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. And that I feel comes in too. Even though it wasn't her husband nor her brother, I feel like that is all so intertwined in a lot of yeah. these narratives that their are yeah. like, controlling their agency and yeah. dependency. And so Babu came and he stayed the first night and I remember Babu and you were really proud of the fact that, you know, we never did anything, mm. he was very respectful, we slept mm-hmm. near each other like brother and sister, mm. nothing happened, you know, nothing happened.
2: The brother and sister thing. I can't when I heard that in inside. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh,
1: goodness. It's mm. very strange. It's very strange. It's the funny. fact that they said brother and sister mm. to your future husband. Yes. I was like, what? Exactly. But I guess it's, it shows the kind of innocence yeah. as well. In yes. 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 And, yeah, it kind of just shows the the, the real, they wanted to respect yes. these intimate mm. boundaries in place, whether mm-hmm. it was entirely pushed or internally believed. Yeah, and 100%. So they were, that was fine. And then the next day, it, like, between the brother-in-law and the sister and Papu, he kept saying, I don't <laughs> want you to marry him. And Papu oh was getting goodness. very tired of it. And luckily, Papu was like, you know, bless his heart. He's an absolutely mm. heart of gold lady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he ended up putting his foot down. and said to you, yeah, you know, I've come all this way. I know I yeah, you. And he goes, but I can't do this with them. So either you stay mm. here and it's over. Or you come with me and we start wow. together and it's out. Wow. And Yaya was like torn. She was crying because Yaya's biggest thing was yeah. family. You know, I don't, I don't want to. cause yeah. yeah, I don't want to cause problems and all that. But she recognised the toxicity of the environment mm. with her sister and her brother in law, and she ended up, you know, on that, packing mm. her bags, going with Baku wow. and they walked. Down the street and found a neighbor who was renting rooms out. They rented wow. one room Aww. together. Um, soon after that, I think it was like a couple of weeks, maybe a week. They were married. Wow. Um, <laughs> and I remember she saying to me because she's like, you know, weddings these days are so extravagant. She goes, I put a chicken in my in the oven, put on my wedding dress, did my hair, and w- <gasps> went to the wedding. Had like, head with people. We came back home. I chicken out, that we is all amazing. Ate it's just, I think yeah. it's really pure. I think it's really. Yeah, it's really, it's really sweet. Yeah, it celebrates the, the family. You know, not the not yes. family because everything's separated, but the the close yeah. family you create. Yes. And all. even though I'm sure that she would have preferred to have everyone there, but, you know, it was really yeah. cool, that kind of mm. image in my mind. Yeah. Like starting a new mm. life here. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. the one thing that, you know, Yana were mm. very open with each other. We talked a lot. But one thing that she had actually never told me, cause she passed away when I was eighteen, and I reckon if you know if she was still alive, she would have told mm. me at some point. Mm. But Mum actually mentioned this to me that in in the village there was a boy that and mm. him. I don't, I, I don't want to say that you had feelings for him because she never mm. actually admitted that, but she was yeah. fond of him as a person. He yeah. most definitely had feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was evident. Yeah. Yeah, and he was really, really, you know, wanted a life with her. Yeah, she, she was going to Australia. She goes, you know, I can't do it here anymore. I can't do it. I need to go. Wow. I need to go. There's no jobs. There's no this. There's no that. I yep. He was a real sweetie, and he hmm. goes, "Let me come with you." And then she goes, "I'm <gasps> not going to Australia for a marriage. I'm going there to work, and I'll wow. be back very soon." Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, he that's really heartbreaking. Like, so, he kept pushing and she goes, no, 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 no. And so, she left and he went to surprise oh. her. Um, <gasps> and so, he had planned it and then he got to Athens, I think it was, and he failed his medical test. Oh, no. So, he could oh, to no. Australia. A medical test? Yeah, they had to take a medical test, all these tests, mm. to be approved to leave. Wow. Yeah. Um, because Australia wouldn't accept someone. Was it for labour mm. concerns? I think so. I think so. Yeah. And, you know, any other, you know, diseases, it, whether it would yes, be a burden yes. to the economy or not, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he failed that. And in the oh. meantime, you didn't know any of this was happening. And she received a letter and she was told that as soon as he returned, he actually oh, committed my Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. failing that test so, I mean, so oh sad God. it just kind of breaks my heart because you see these people um with these really pure yeah, one intentions. another and intentions and
2: yeah it
1: was in an in, in a society in a community that i'm sure wanted to give them more but yeah. physically could not and they're struggling wow. and they're battles all the time and then you know you actually never told anyone until a few years
0: well she's mentioned yes. it once or
1: twice to month um, um, yeah. Papu knew about it as well. I don't think he really knew the depth oh, of it. And then five years ago when a pretty tragic event happened mm. with my grandparents in Greece, my mum was there to yeah. help them and yeah. my ER was, you know, really stuck in a situation oh. and she was crying and she said to mum, I don't know what to do oh. with the guilt that I feel because everyone's like, you are the reason why he did that. That's, wow. And so if we're talking about traumas, we're looking at. It's humans. We're talking about human beings, not like. Mm. like, Yes, you know. Exactly. Um, And that trauma just continues and then they Mm. try to build a life. It's true. Have kids and provide for us, mm. which most of us are third gen, and it just oh baffles it's so. Mm. Yeah, I know, and most mm. of it is
2: hidden. That's yeah. the
1: thing. Yeah, and um, there was one other story where <sighs> me that her marriage actually ended back in mm. the eighties, I think, mm. 80s, because it's really severe, severe abuse to the point of police wow. and hospital intervention, wow. and tried to hide it. Wow, he was a real horrible horrible treatment and then I, I remember asking Mom, I'm like obviously from my own standards from my growing up mm. that's mm. horrible and she should most definitely get out of there but I'm like well what did mm, they say yes. back then you know what was yes. what was the sort of comments she was hearing mm-hmm. and Mum goes your yampa boys in her parents my mm. boys, the ones that I've just talked to you guys about um, mm-hmm. were completely like you know what this is ridiculous you know, because yeah. there was a level yeah. of okay yes. violence, but what they deemed as mm. discipline. Unacceptable, yeah. You know, there was yeah. odds, you know. Yeah. it was like acceptable. Yeah. yeah. Whether they thought it was okay at that time because it, oh, it was the right gosh. thing. But this was so excessive that they're like, you need to get out. You have children. You need to get out. But then some of her, this woman's husband's siblings, so sister-in-law, mm. brother-in-laws, one day, no, 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 this is bad, you need to get out. The next day, yeah. oh, it can't be that yeah. Don't bring shame to your family. So, it yeah. was wild. And the amount of yeah, use yeah. verbal after yeah. separation yeah. just kind of baffled me. And, you know, th- we're talking about some of the strongest yeah. women that I know, and I'm sure that these women that you guys have outlined are mm. absolute idols in your eyes. Exactly. These struggles are beyond anything I that I can personally comprehend.
2: No, 100%. And the thing is, like, for us, these struggles are what that's makes right. us be able to have the choices
1: we have. Yeah,
2: right. So a lot of our that's lives exactly are built right. on yes. these sufferings, yeah. which is so hard. I think you come to a point coming from a migrant family that you have to come into terms mm-hmm. with that. And it's a process
1: that you have to say, wow, so, like, all this exactly was for right. me, yes. in a sense, yes. you know. I like, mean, yeah. what's that goal of family? yes and- it's a family. that's all yeah <laughs> we're part of that
2: and the thing is that they went against their greek culture yeah. by leaving their family yeah to create a family yeah. you know yeah so they didn't have that family family that we have now that we have our papa, we have our yeah we have our mum, we have our sisters yeah. like all near us they didn't yeah. have that yeah so they left that mm. for us to have that and i'm like wow Exactly, that That's, sacrifice. I always
1: bring up to mum, and I am like, "Oh, you know, like, what was it like not growing up with cousins?" I am mm. like, "Who
2: did you hang out with?" Yes, you? like yes. you know, and I know that
1: some people did have that because family. Yeah, together, of course, but, of course. You know, um, mum's like, you know, we mm. created mm. our own mm. family in a way because I have people here who I would consider my cousins, yeah. like, where well, there is no blood relation. They're closer to yeah. me than you know. she's is so who interesting. And cost.
2: goes against all the things that you have to keep it in the Greek blood and. You know, That's right. family's sicker than water and all that. Mm. Mm. Wow. When you're talking about the abuse, you know the cultural thing that we are talking about before about keeping everything in the house? Mm. I just want to yeah. question, like, how much of that enabled abuse to be a thing that mm. was unheard of? Yeah. Oh, that yeah. would have been such an easy oh, yeah. way of keeping it silent from exactly. a male perspective. Mm. Yeah. And
1: not only that. Yep, like the language barriers, yep. the mm. feelings of isolation, yes. the feelings of already being a minority, and being away um, from your village. Um, the the, the away perpetuated. from their village, they yep. didn't
2: have someone to answer yep. to, their mum or their dad. So it would have yep. been a very yes. optimum climate if you wanted to do things of that nature. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah, and also to an extent, that sort of behaviour. Yes, again, to an yes. extent. Yeah was a part of being a man. Dominance, was yeah. a part of asserting, I'm mm. the husband, I'm the father. So when there's an extent of, uh, let's just, it was yes. the, an extent of violence, it's very easy to to topple into further levels of it when you're in a place Isolation. of, yeah. you know, the husbands yeah. felt alone too. Mm. The husbands yeah, felt isolated. Course. They felt the mm. pressure of financially providing, yeah. of learning language, no. you know. So I'm not saying it, it justifies, out but ways. you can understand how one yeah. level of, retaliation yet overflows into this extreme expression of frustration. Because a lot of
2: their expectations Um, were never met.
1: Yeah. No. Exactly right. And, you know, also that fear of losing Greekness, losing Greek identity, coming home Mm. um, and seeing your kids speak Mm. English. It would have been very confronting, very confronting, especially coming from a place where Greek identity was being by yep. pushed and pulled yep. with the political yeah. ideologies where do we stand what do we believe what's yep. our you know a government and all that and then you're coming here it's true, another system and you're the another outsider. language another culture and yeah and you're trying to preserve yeah. your pocket of greatness, yeah. your pocket of history but yeah <laughs> i want to thank you guys for this discussion i know it's it's very tough, but I, as we've all said, it's yeah. incredibly, incredibly important. And I thank you for coming yeah, with thank us. Thank you. On this, I mean, it's, you know, it's just been
0: so um, amazing and interesting to hear both of your experiences mm. and to, to listen to both of you. It's been so um, yeah, amazing and inspiring. And yeah. I hope that we and other Greek youth in Melbourne can continue this conversation yeah, to exactly. uphold this legacy of yeah. what our grandparents' generation exactly. went through. Yeah.
2: And understand our place in it. <laughs> We're not yeah. detached from it exactly <laughs> we're here mm-hmm. because of it and that has complexity mm-hmm. to it as well so it was exactly so amazing right. hearing your stories yeah. guys because there's so much familiarity in other yeah. stories mm. even though they're yep. unique yes mm. yeah
1: and, and it's so incredible exactly and I really challenge everyone you know listening if your grandparents are still around yeah. you know mm. give them a call and ask them yeah. some questions and try to find out you know and understand their journey and if, if you're yeah. not around ask other elderly people ask, yeah. your, ask your parents yeah. what they felt growing up you know because this is a conversation that no. is not only healing for our own identity it would do real yeah. amazing things to them to feel that they're important to you guys yeah. and not to be hidden that you know their voices matter no exactly. matter which village how small and how much success and whether you speak English or not and all those factors yeah, that people exactly deem right. as successful breaks, mm-hmm. Um, with mm-hmm invisible quotation marks you can't see it but they're happening but yeah and i implore you guys to join us next week where we'll be talking about more of its effect on us today mainly as third generation greek australians but also in the wider sort of modern day context you know um so yeah we're looking forward to speaking to you guys then. thank you
0: That's it for another episode of Taleme from Yugos Victoria. We
1: hope you guys enjoyed our chat today. We are very thankful to all our listeners, both old and new.
2: If you want to stay updated on anything Yugos
1: and Taleme related, our social media contacts are in the podcast description. And please subscribe to us on any platform that you are listening to us on.
2: We welcome you to leave comments and shoot us a message on our social media if you love this episode. If you have any thoughts on future episode ideas or if you have any special guests that you think deserve a platform to share their voice, experiences and thoughts. As
1: usual, we hope you all have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you.